WBZ Chicago and the things that haunt us. This is Pleasure Town. In the late 1800s, two visionaries claimed a parcel of Oklahoma land. They had a dream to build a community for pleasure seekers. Before long, the settlement grew into a sanctuary for outlaws and artists, but after flourishing, it fell. Now, decades later, the town lies buried in the red dirt, but not even death can silence the residents' stories. So put on your headphones and hear their tales as we dust off Pleasure Town. Say, Cy, when you were alive, did you believe in ghosts? Did I believe there were things beyond what I could perceive? Yes, Claude. Human perception is not the be-all and end-all. Right, right. But did you believe that the dead walked among us? So you're asking me if the dead were ambulatory? Ambula what? Look, simple question, simple answer. None of your brainy smart stuff. Did you believe in the supernatural? No. (laughs) Which is funny because the Cyrus of then did not believe in the possibility of the Cyrus of now. You and I being ghosts and all. Same here. The only spirits I saw were the ones in the bottle. But that wasn't the same for all of Pleasure Town's residents. Mm, True. There were those among us that had the sight, as it were. Chief among them was that couple. Yeah, those churchy youngins. Came here gullible and full of cheer. And then, Pleasure Town did what Pleasure Town does. Sugar Bear. That we do, honeybee. Gosh darn. Guess we'll have to wait for a good Samaritan. Danny, we ain't blessed the Model T since we crossed the state line. Since we have to wait anyway. Bethany, you have a wonderful turn of mind. <laughs> mm. It was pleasure time that drove us apart. But it was the Lord sent us there. Ever since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, I heard his call. In the pew, singing my little heart out, and when I was getting dipped in the creek and reborn. I just didn't know what he'd ask of me in this life, but... The first time I saw Daniel, I knew who I wanted to answer the call with. Bethany and I met at the Bayou Bethlehem Tent Revival of 1900, situated in Monroe. My people had come all the way down from Shreveport to hear the good word. 
but the moment I saw my honeybee, my little sugar bear, I didn't hear anything else but a voice saying, Danny Temple, you better not let that girl get away. Now, I'm not proud of our first meeting. Down by the creek. We had uh, some extenuating circumstances. Bethany just coming from the baptism in that wet cotton dress. Daniel sweating through that white shirt of his. Showing off her natural advantages. We may have rushed things, but the Lord meant us for each other. When you meet your partner ordained by God, ain't no such thing as filthy sin. Not that Bethany's mother agreed when we were discovered. Mama was fit to be tied and ready to string Danny up for tempting me to sin. It took a timely departure in my daddy's Model T, prevented events from turning into a very unpleasant afternoon in the Delta. And then we were together, married as soon as we hit Baton Rouge, took to the road preaching, hoping the Lord would send us a sign, a mission. Eighteen years old, a pair of us, and already blessed with a perfect sweetheart. And I mean perfect, because it's one thing when you meet someone you love and want and who sees things the same way. Quite another when you meet someone else who sees things no one else can. Where were we when it first happened? That barn outside Topeka. Of course. I love you, Danny. I love you too, sweetheart. (laughs) Go away. An apparition. Floating in midair, white tufts of hair coming out of its ears, kind of a green sheen to it. Staring at the pair of us kissing in the Model T. Oh, it's just a ghost. Thank God. Thought it was the farmer about to press charges. Mr. Ghost, you just go on ahead about your business. Wait. Honeybee? You can see those who've gone beyond too? That's right, Sugar Bear. Always could. You mean... Ah, sweet Moses! You can see me? Both of you? Mr. Ghost, I think that's a fact. Praise the Lord. I knew you were the girl for me. Growing up, we were taught that the only ghost was the Holy Ghost. And there's many a night as a child I felt a full sin of being able to hear and see them that wasn't alive. As did I. But if there were two of us, then maybe it was what God intended. Why are you still here, sir, and not with God? Far as I know. Because there ain't no one in this universe but you and me. And the lucky animals don't think about such things. No, sir. God exists. Maybe not in the way they tell us in church. Though there's plenty they tell us that's right and good. In the way we love each other. I know there's a divine love because of what I have with this man standing beside me. I've never had that. Nothing like that. Come and sit with us, sir. See if we can bring you a little peace. Nothing you can do for me. Please, let us try. What exactly are we going to try, honeybee? Well, we have to try something, Danny. He's in pain. So, for the first time in my life, I conversed with the undead instead of turning away. Bethany took my hand, stared this dead man down, and said, We love you. See the love we have for each other and know we feel it for you. Two. The ghost wept. The tears were real. They fell to the ground and then disappeared like green ice. The green around his form bled, faded, turned white like bone in the sun, like lilies. And before our very eyes, that ghost melted away, set free from this earthly realm in a burst of pure happiness. Farewell.
Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We sent him home. And that was it. We had our mission. Find those who roam the earth not yet ready for heaven or hell, and through our love, try to give them release or at the very least some comfort while they are still bound to this world. We traveled all over these great states, ministering to the undead with love as our scripture. When at last we heard tale of a place beset by the unfulfilled. At least as far as the dead residents went. A place of sin and promise and ghosts. Pleasure town. And we were almost there when... Uh, 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 Sugar Bear, I'm uh, on the horn again. Honeybee, that may be our salvation. Cover up. Car trouble? Yes, ma'am. Making our way to Pleasure Town when we caught a flat. Well, I'll give you kids a ride. And when we get to town, we could tell Bolger to head back here, give that tire a look. Awfully neighborly. Mrs. Just call me Goldie. No misses necessary. Climb on. Got some whiskey in the back. You two kids help yourselves. Oh, no, ma'am. We couldn't possibly. Lips that touch liquor will never touch mine. Oh, mine. The good Lord's very clear on that. What exactly brings you two to Pleasure Town? We're ministers to the spirit realm. We try to help them meet their maker if they're having a little trouble finishing the journey. Uh-huh. Well, how do you do that, exactly? We let them join us in the divine love God has given us as man and wife. Like a nudie show. No, ma'am, we would never. Uh Uh-huh. You kids smoke. No, No, ma'am. Take the opium. Oh, my goodness. Ma'am, I know what you and the other residents of Pleasure Town about, but we come here as missionaries, not hedonists. Uh Uh-huh. You say you're Christians. What, talk to the undead? Nothing against it in the Bible, Miss Goldie. 1 Samuel 28. Saul said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I may go and inquire of her. Praise Christ, he did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't drink, smoke, or toke. Well, there'll be plenty in Pleasure Town you don't like. I tell you to turn around, but the fornication with ghosts shows promise. Miss Goldie, you really have the wrong idea. I'm not judging. No one in town will. Just know that if you start judging... There won't be much tolerance for that. We asked about the town's dead. There were many, but one name grabbed me. Goldie told us of a young woman who passed not too long ago, an Irish girl who met a violent and sinful death, name of Clayton. We walked along the main drag, sun going down, our eyes casting all around for the green tint of a spirit, sage and smoke passing between the living, orange light, turning us all to gold. I called out, Clayton! And people stared. Well, not stared. There wasn't no disapproval in the looks. More curious, encouraging. I knew we'd come to the right place. There was rampant imbibement all around. And I prayed for the souls of those sinners, thinking that after we consoled the dead, we might turn to the living, despite the warning Goldie had given. And I saw... Behind all those sweetly watching faces, hearts, and minds I could never touch, never have, and Lord forgive me, I mourned. Clayton! 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 And finally, there she was, 
Who calls my name? Has no one ever told y'all not answer? Not now, not ever. You fools. I hear you plain, sister. And I see the grief of a lost soul in your face. Are ye ghosts as well? You've weight to you. You walk with steps. If I could touch you. If I could touch. And she looked at me as she said it. I'd never been looked at like that by a woman before. Dead. Or living. There was a sadness and a lack in her heart that exceeded a soul left to wander below salvation. You're too fair for the desert. Ought to carry a parasol. I saw Clayton had lived a life deprived. And though I remembered the preachers of my youth condemned women who lay with women, I wanted to give her what had never been hers. We're here to help you, Clayton. If you'll be helped. Come out of the thoroughfare. You look like Idgits, the Parias. Goldie had made good on her word. Mr. Bolter had repaired our tire and moved that Model T to a garage in town. We took Clayton there. Reminded me of that barn. I didn't know that everything was about to change. On the way to the Model T, Daniel walked ahead and I told Clayton a bit more about the ministering Daniel and I did. She watched my mouth say the words, but said nothing. Only laughed a few times, with no true laugh in it. This won't help me. There's no salvation for me. Did you know love in your life, Clayton? Once. She kissed me. That was all. More than some get. Would you like to go on? I've no interest in love. What's that? Something pretty for pretty people. Would you like to know joy, at least? Bethany took my hand. Said the words. We love you. See the love we have for each other and know we feel it for you, too. But the dead woman sneered. There's nothing for me in what you two do. I've seen more sweetness than you two know. Pleasure Town never lacks for a show. But it's nothing to do with me. Nothing to send me on or over. What would? The woman's face shook, lost itself, folded for a moment, then came back and settled on Bethany. My Bethany. And Bethany looked back. Daniel. I think I need to be alone with Clayton for a while. What for? Please, go find us a place to sleep tonight. The Lord requires something new in this moment. That ain't what the Lord wants from us. I don't even know what I'm about to do. How could you? This is a woman. Probably here because of unnatural desires. You minister to murderers, but not her. I will not let you give yourself to this. <sighs> but it's my gift, Danny. And Bethany put her tiny hand on my chest. As she pushed me through the garage door, back onto the street, Clayton smiling as she did. And then they were hidden from me. I walked through town, past Goldie's store. Where's your wife? Didn't answer. Just walked and watched the last of the golden light pass from sight. The town seemed full of hidden corners. Saw sinners at every turn. Early the next morning, Bethany returned. I had fallen asleep in the Model T. I didn't ask her about her night, as she didn't offer to tell me anything other than Clayton still walked among us. 
that we got lucky using love to exercise that ghost in the barn, but that not all the dead need love for liberation. Some are looking for something else. I didn't feel a need to tell you any more than that. Even if we were connected by fate, the Lord would still want us to carry on with our own lives as well. Clayton helped me see that. And so I feared, in my heart, what this town would do to us, and God's will, if I didn't do something to this town first. I'd be the last one that would bring a pain to hurt your heart. I wouldn't do. Pleasure Town will return in a moment. Forgive me if this is a bit on the nose, but all this talk about ghosts has got me thinking about the spectral state of our town. Yeah, so at this juncture, it was dawning on us that a city is not the kind of thing that runs itself. Pleasure Town was starved for governance. And it seemed that neither of us had what it took to properly feed that hunger. too have spent a life the sage's way and tread once more familiar paths. You're late. By an hour this time, which I suppose is early for you. Sorry, but as you are well aware, I live by my own schedule. Time is the most valuable thing that a man can spend. Also, you're covered in mud. It's those damn dirt roads. After that rain last night, I can't tell what's a puddle or a pothole. Sank knee-deep and one of them fell flat on my face. Well, that's what I wanted to discuss. My face? Sorry to disappoint you, squirt, but it ain't gonna change. You may find humor in being obtuse, but I see nothing funny about the potholes and the chip paint and the missing shingles and the rotten porches so and... So Pleasure Town isn't as pretty as she used to be. Nothing lasts forever, Cyrus. Yes, but things don't have to waste away, neither. <laughs> waste away. I'll tell you about wasting away. You, Cyrus. You sitting in this damn room all day. No light. Eating only scraps. A damn houseplant would wither under such conditions. I am studying. For what? Ain't nobody testing you. Life is a test, and I'm studying civilization. Someone needs to understand how to run a city. You can do all the reading you want, Cy. But I'm the kind of man who likes to learn by getting his hands dirty. Given how mud-encrusted you are today, I'd say you should be a scholar by now. Okay, Mr. Snark. How about you leave your little cave of solitude, walk down to old Joshua's hardware store, and pick up some nails and a couple buckets of paint to do the job yourself? A short-term fix is not the solution to a long-term problem. That's a matter of opinion. <sighs> well, would you look at that? One gulp of whiskey, and I don't care what you have to say. Short-term fix to a long-term problem. Look, Claude, I know we created Pleasure Town to be a haven for happiness, but... Someone's got to clean the latrines. I get it. I'm not sure you do. Work is for suckers. Just look at you, toying away like a little mouse. We just need to find some more suckers. And we'll be good. Maintaining civil order is not the job of suckers. 
It's the job of an invested community. And besides, even if we did have a few helping hands, how would we compensate them for their labor? This is the problem with solutions. They always create more problems. I'm sorry to say that we live in reality and not the free will and fantasy world that exists only in your head. How about we just pass the hat? You know, chipping what you can. That's not a bad idea, but I would prefer a more equitable approach. I'm thinking taxation. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I figured that would be your reaction. There ain't a word more sacrilegious to the spirit of Pleasure Town than the T word. I ain't no King George and I ain't gonna be no King George. What a man earns... Or a woman earns... Or a woman earns is his or hers to keep. All right. But what if that man or woman uses public resources to make those earnings? I don't follow. Now you see that blacksmith over there? I see her. How do you think she transports her raw materials to the shop? How does she deliver her finished goods to her customers? Probably uses the dirt roads just like everybody else. Exactly. So, shouldn't she and everyone else pay a little to make sure those roads are kept in the best condition possible? But does it have to be a tax? (sighs) Fee, donation, monetary gift, the nomenclature matters little. What's important is that we start giving more thought to governance and make sure we don't wear away at the seams. And Lord help us if disaster should strike one day. Hey, I got an idea. Yes? We need someone to fix our roads, spruce up the town square, repair the library and town hall. Why don't we advertise for a handyman? We can be up front. Tell them there's no pay but that the entire town will get a chance to see his handiwork, which will result in more paying work than he can handle. And how is that not a form of indentured servitude? We aren't forcing anyone to do anything they don't want to do. And what if no actual paying work arises? Who cares? The roads are fixed. Your precious library has a newly mended awning. Mission accomplished. Ignoring the fact that I personally find your plan virgin on criminal, this will not solve our long-term problem of needing regular maintenance for the indefinite future. Well, what if... And I'm not going to allow you to hoodwink a fresh crop of poor saps every year into doing free repairs. Well, fooey. We could always try to generate income in other ways besides taxes. Like how? Teach the gals over at the bordello how to pick a pocket? Uh, Seems doable. No. I mean, fines. Citations. We penalize those who violate our credo. <laughs> Sheriff Deuteronomy would sooner collect someone's nose. Yeah, true. We could consider outside investment. I'm not having some Manhattan fat cat come slinking into our town just so he can get his dirty paws on everything. No way, no how. I'm not talking about selling steaks in Pleasure Town. Frankly, I'm just as skeptical of banks and businessmen as you are, but maybe there's another way. Like what? Come in. Hi, Mr. Ledoux. Mr. Hobbs. Got a telegram for you all. Give it here, Skippy. Mm. Well, what is it? It's an opportunity. What kind of opportunity? Well, someone wants to build a railroad through Pleasure Town. So? So, they'll pay us for the land. 
we could lease it to cover our annual operating costs. Free money? Sounds fair. Stippy, write them back and set up a meeting. Looks like we're going to do some negotiating. Yes, Mr. Ledoux. Well, looks like things have solved themselves. We have yet to see what this proposition entails. I just ask that we both enter the meeting with appropriate skepticism. Don't you worry about that. I don't get excited about money until I see cash on the table. Good. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some reading to do. What else is new? If you need me, I'll be living among actual human beings. For one more chance, went up so earnest, so instinct, with better light. Let in by death. So many moments in our lives that seem full of promise, only to turn into turmoil. <laughs> and once again, my liquor-filled partner stumbles upon perfect poetry. Hey, how dare you refer to me as a poet? My sincere apologies. To poets, that is. Oh, oh, Pleasure Town listeners, this is Emily Modaff, senior producer of the show, and I wanted to thank you for coming back and listening to the second episode of season three. If you liked what you heard, find us on iTunes and give us a rate and review, or connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also leave us a message at www.pleasuretownshow.com. And if you haven't heard Pleasure Town before, we recommend going back and listening to the first two seasons, which are available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you already know that we are in the middle of a very important Kickstarter campaign for season three. If you haven't heard about that, head over to social media or our website, PleasureTownShow.com. Check out our campaign. Shout out to Lizzie Seidenstricker for composing the best video ever in the history of Kickstarter videos. Seriously. And now to thank the folks who made this episode possible. This episode of Pleasure Town was written by Caitlin Parrish and Keith Ecker and performed by Aaron Cahoe, Keith Ecker, Becca Brown, Krista Salvo, Sean Paris, Emily Modaff, Kelsey Huff, and Johnny Moran. Our executive producers are Keith Ecker and Aaron Cahoe. Our senior producer is me, Emily Modaff. And our associate producers are Joe Courtney, Brady Guy, Lizzie Seidenstricker, and Colin Wright. Our staff writers are Gwen Fulcher and Sean Paris. Original music was composed and performed by River Rising's Megan Diger and Tim Hazen and engineered by Colin Ashmead Bobbitt. Pleasure Town is an ever-growing interactive narrative which relies on your creativity, your imagination, and especially your voice to expand the legend. Find out how you can join the story at PleasureTownShow.com. This has been a production of WBEZ Chicago.